0: It's that time again You go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beginning to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive Jive.
1: Well, hello again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello everybody, hello John.
1: (laughs) Welcome back. Uh, We did take a tiny little hiatus last week and instead of doing a beekeeper chat, we put out a little touch base kind of uh, discussion to see where everybody was at, how they were feeling about things, any suggestions, and also to uh, shamelessly ask for advice on different content that you would like to hear. Questions that you may have, things that you would like to hear us discuss. And that is still obviously out there, but wanted to give a huge shout out to Lori P for being the first person to actually respond with uh, a comment and some. Uh, I, I was going to, I keep wanting to say creative response, but. Um, with suggestions. That's it. There we go. Brain is eventually (laughs) going to kick into gear and start working Um, to respond with uh, her thoughts and feelings on the show and with suggestions. And we greatly appreciate that. And so just for shits and giggles, I sent her a Hive jive shirt. (laughs) So
0: So thank
1: you so much, Lori, for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. And everybody else, um, if you have not already sent in your thoughts and feedback and comments, then please do so. And uh, just keep that in mind in the future that you know, sometimes there might be some freebies and little prizes for people that uh, that are the first to respond. So, woohoo. Um, so, today we have a discussion and we are just going to dive straight into it because it could be, um, I don't know, the article is lengthy. It's about 12 pages long, but yes. the discussion could be, or maybe not, I'm not really sure. So we're going to jump into this, and we're going to talk today about the nutraceutical values of honey and its contribution to human health and wealth. And this is an article that was in the uh, category of nutrition and metabolism, and I will actually post this in the comments, or actually I'll post it in the, the show description. I think I can do the PDF version of it as well. So you can just click the PDF and download it, but I'll also have a link in there that you take you directly to the site so that you can all go through and actually read this for yourself and then maybe circle back to the conversation um, or just kind of see what you think about it. But to get us started off, I'm going to read the abstract of this. And uh, my printer is apparently almost out of ink, so I apologize. (laughs) 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 It's very light to read. Um, So I'll go through, I'll read the abstract of this just to kind of give everybody an overview of what the article is about, and then we're going to go through and have some discussion. So are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. The abstract for nutraceutical values of honey and its contribution to human health and wealth. The use of natural honey. Uh, as a nutraceutical agent is associated with nutritional benefits and therapeutic promises. Natural honey honey is widely adapted. (laughs) Apparently I can't read. Natural honey is widely accepted, not adapted, (laughs) accepted as food and medicine by all generations, traditions, and civilizations, both ancient and modern the nutritional profiles including its use in infant and children feeding reported in different literatures as well as health indices and biomarkers observed by various researchers illustrated this in or are illustrated in this manuscript the reviewed documents folk medicine experimentation with animal models and orthodox medicinal practices shown by clinical trials this covers virtually all human organs and body systems extensively studied by different workers the sources and adverse effects of natural honey contamination, as well as preventative methods, are identified in this document. This could promote the ability to uh, the availability of residue-free honey and wholesome natural products for domestic consumption and in international market. This could also help prevent the health problems associated with natural honey poisoning. In addition, to agricultural practices and the economic importance of honey uh, are also well documented this abstract well between me not being able to read it being light and it being worded as like a, uh, a you know a uh, research text doesn't make it flow so well in my brain so the, that, the to
0: their, to their excuse they, their english might not have been their first language
1: this is also possibly true this is possibly true Um, Okay, so natural honey poisoning, blah, blah, blah. All right, so this report also includes information about a relatively unknown and uncommon South American stingless bee species. And we conclude this review by identifying important roles for ethoentomologists other scientists, and apiculturists in the development of stingless bees to boost honey production, consumption, and economic earnings. There we go. That was a bit rough. I apologize. Um, (laughs) Should should I redo that?
0: (laughs) That's okay. No, I think we're good.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was was a rough reading and rendering. Um, The funny thing is like, I don't know if I hold this up there, if you guys can see it. The abstract is light and then the article is dark.
0: It's so creating it, it, a sc- green screen effect where it's. Debating. Oh, it took it
1: out. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's cool. Look, it's honeycomb.
0: <laughs> Let me, yeah. <laughs> I so forgot You can see what's going on. The parts of the writings, the titles, and the, the bigger parts. When uh, John is running it over in front of the camera, it's disappearing into the Hive Jive background. So it's kind of making a cool effect. Are
1: you there? There we go. I'm good. Um, I fixed it. <laughs> that was a carryover from doing the uh, training and education tutorial over the weekend that I had the, the honeycomb background going. And when I when I do that, I have a legitimate green screen. This isn't a, a real screen. But yeah, when we've done that before where I have done something and then switched over and like there was comb that started like creeping into <laughs> the image and I was like, what's going? Oh, that's my bad. <laughs> okay so anyhow now that you all have completely forgotten what i read in the abstract let's get started on discussion
0: <laughs> well what i would like to kind of mention is what are nutraceuticals so they're basically uh, natural foods that are a fit, have physiological benefits that are uh, allowing for some protection against chronic diseases cardiovascular you know diabetes all kinds of things so This is in this context that we're talking about honey today as as, uh, natural foods that have beneficial protective um, effects against diseases.
1: Yeah. And if that word sounds familiar, uh, it's closely related to pharmaceutical, except these are the natural kind of homeopathic remedies that can be used for some of the same aspects and benefits that they go through and look at in this document. So that was the abstract that kind of covers the entire thing. And you've heard us talk before about the benefits of honey and also obviously, I mean, shocker on this, the benefits of natural beekeeping to try to reduce some of these other negative effects that are inside there. (laughs) Natalie's giving a peace sign to everybody. Like, hi, that might be me. (laughs) (laughs) Guilty charged. (laughs) So this kind of breaks it down into several different categories. And the first category in here is honey as food. And it goes back and talks about the nutritional profile of the honey, gives a couple of different tables of reference that talk about the composition of honey and the the chemical elements found in honey, and talks about how honey is a growth factor to go through and actually help bodies and metabolisms grow and gain mass, and not necessarily just mass as in like body fat. Uh, bone density and structure, muscle mass, things along those lines. So I'm going to go through real quick because it does say that in fact, and this is a little highlighted quote out of here. In fact, honey is a complete meal as shown in these different tables. So to go over the tables real quick and give you a high level overview of some of these things that are found in honey. And keep in mind that sometimes these are considered trace elements. They're tiny little pieces. They're not necessarily full complements, but there's trace elements in there. So you've got water, obviously. That's um, one of the first things listed on there. Then you go into sugars. There's monosaccharides of fructose and glucose. You have disaccharides of sucrose and then other tra- uh, trace amounts. You've got trisaccharides of things that I probably cannot pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, tackle that first O word if you can.
0: Because <laughs> wait, wait, I'm looking at a printout and the tables are not showing. So.
1: Oh, your tables didn't show up. Okay. Um,
0: Let me look at it. So which, which, it's, oh
1: oligosaccharides um,
0: disaccharides trisaccharides yeah it's
1: underneath um, the the trisaccharides aerolose, that first
0: mel- melisitos yeah
1: those yeah. right yeah oligosaccharides melitos then you've got minerals and <laughs> <laughs> you've got yeah. amino acids proteins um and then some other acids in there so the the second one the chemical composition breaks that down further and inside the chemical composition of honey, you have trace amounts of sodium, calcium, potassium, magnesium, phosphorus, selenium, copper, iron, magnesium, chromium, zinc, uh, vitamin B reflected vitamin. in thiamine, riboflavin, and niacin. Also, panthonic acid, which I'm panthonic, not familiar with that panthonic, one.
0: Pantothenic, pantothenic is B5.
1: Mm-hmm. B5? Okay. Yeah, I can actually, I see that tiny little five down there. Um
0: Pyridoxin.
1: Pyridoxin, folic acid, ascorbic acid, and the last one? Philokinin. Philokinin. See, there we go. Yay, for two tables. Now, the third table goes through, and this will come in a little bit later, but those are all of the positive things that can be in there, and that, in trace amounts, we need all of those things to function. That's why they say it can be considered a complete food source or a complete meal, the third table that they represent are other chemical elements found in honey. Now, these chemical elements will come into the discussion later when they talk about things that shouldn't necessarily be in there or in large quantities can cause harm. These are things that are sometimes pulled from the atmosphere, from mm-hmm. toxins and pollutants in the atmosphere, from pesticides, whenever the bees come into contact with those. Those well, things can find their way into honey as well. And those... Consist of aluminum, arsenic, barium, boron, bromine, cadmium, chlorine, cobalt, fluoride, iodide, lead, lithium, uh, molybdenum. Molybdenum? I don't know what that one is. Nickel. I don't know either. I don't either. Uh, Nickel, rutidum, silicone, strontium, or Mm strontium. Strontium. Sulfur. Vanadium and zirconium. zirconium. Um, a lot of those things, you your body does not need, <laughs> and your body does well, some not of them appreciate. Have them right
0: toxic. Yeah, some of yeah. them are toxic. Yeah, some toxic. Like yeah. lead, <laughs> <Or> arsenic,
1: <laughs> arsenic. Yeah, add some old lace in there, and you're good to go. So those are all the different things that can be found inside of honey, and that that's why honey can be this miracle food. And I had read at one point outside of this article that basically. If you took a, one of the Asian, I want to say it was Asian, not Mediterranean specifically. If you took an Asian diet that consisted of a healthy rice, not necessarily a white rice, but like a healthy, darker, long grain type rice and mixed it with honey, Mm -hmm. you would literally have an entirely complete food source. The also same thing applies to honey and pollen when you mix the pollen in there, you're adding way more of some of these trace elements that can be found in there. So it makes it even more beneficial and nutritious for people. Now, there's it's also that,
0: you know, like, oh, um, people that cannot eat anymore that have, that are getting weak, uh, elderly people that have issues, gastric issues or whatever, they will be fed a diet of honey, uh, only. And that's what will sustain them and, and keep them alive.
1: Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that they point out in here is that some of those benefits of honey, it's a source of antioxidants. It's a source of prebiotics and probiotics. It can be used for gastric um, and digestive absorption. So just exactly what you were saying, it can go through and it can help out with some of these internal issues that are happening. Oddly enough, and this is one of the things that sometimes kind of sounded counterintuitive to me, but... Honey can actually help with things like ulcers, even though honey is acidic in nature, you would not necessarily put those two things together, but it can actually go through and it can help with ulcers because one of the things that it does is it provides a food source for some of the beneficial bacteria that's already in your stomach. Plus it provides a pre and probiotic of its own to go through there. And it can also naturally kind of coat things. Also honey does what it pulls and absorbs. So it can pull toxins and bad bacteria away from things as well. So it has like this multi-pronged approach to everything that honey can do, depending on how you utilize it.
0: Yeah, no. And I do use it whenever I have um, some kind of acid reflux or or I can tell I've got some, you know, I had too much pizza, whatever. Then I will get some honey. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Not to do that. But when I do, and if that kind of pizza specifically doesn't sit well with me uh, and I feel like I've got acid, uh, come in, you know, I, I will definitely go with actually a mix of honey and uh, raw apple cider vinegar is what I do.
1: There you go. Uh, both acids.
0: Right. But you're trying to turn off those pumps that are, yeah. you know, uh, but it's, it's
1: counterintuitive to your head though, because you're like, absolutely. I'm having acid reflux. I should yeah. not take something that's acidic, but in those absolutely. instances, those things help.
0: <laughs> that's right. No, it's, so, a, it's a, of a miracle, um, food and nutraceutical,
1: it, it absolutely can be. Now, the, the one thing I want to touch on this one aspect real quick, and then I'm going to come over to a thing where I actually have a question. So the last little aspect in here when it when you're talking about eating it and your metabolism and things like that is the use of honey for performance and exercise. And whenever you're going through and you're doing anything like that, you know, people are always taking stimulants, uh, drinks that go through and give you caffeine and give you sugar and kind of get you up and get you going. And then, anybody who is a professional athlete or anybody who trains and works out hard, they have recovery drinks and shakes and things like that that they'll take to go through and help stabilize what your body is burning off when you're doing those exercises. Well, under the exercise and athletic performance aspect of this, they do say that the data obtained from the sports and nutrition and exercise laboratories of one university showed that honey can be used effectively instead of glucose for energy replacement during physical exercise. And they did these. go ahead
0: oh i was gonna i'm sorry i'm just jumping in because it has both glucose and fructose right so
1: the aspect of that is when they did the trials they gave people honey or they gave them a glucose syrup and that was it so you had honey which can have different mixtures of fructose and glucose also dextrose and some other things in there as well sometimes sucrose Um, and you have all this this different levels and mixtures that create a different dynamic inside the body, whereas just the glucose syrup on its own has a very specific burn rate. And when they go through and they talk about that, they say that honey is beneficial in regards to this because it releases fructose slowly slowly into the bloodstream and produces a sustained energy boost and maintains homostasis. Right. Glucose is fast burning. You take it, it gives you an immediate ramp up and sucrose does the same thing. That's why when you eat sugar or candy, like a candy bar, you get that big rush, but then you have a crash. And what they're talking about here is that fructose, it is slower to absorb through the system. So it gives a more sustained and prolonged effect. So they go on to say that the other major component of natural honey, apart from fructose is glucose. And it was found that fructose and glucose are ketose and aldose sugars, respectively with chemical structure differences and consequently different patterns of metabolism despite both of these being monosaccharides with quick burning tendencies it is important to note that glucose is rapidly metabolized for absorption into the bloodstream to provide energy On the other hand, fructose absorption is slow and will continue to sustain the individual with energy while the glucose mostly burns out immediately. So having those two things together had a synergenic synergenic effect for the individual. Now, the correlation that I wanted to draw to this is honey crystallization. So honey that has higher levels of fructose crystallizes faster. Mm -hmm. And if you've got honey, like for instance, Tupelo honey, doesn't crystallize it. I've never seen it crystallize. I've got some still in containers that's still liquid. So you have some honeys that have different ratios of things in them that will cause them not to crystallize. And you've got other ones that do crystallize and crystallize very quickly. Um, one of the honeys that we would get back there in Texas, back uh <laughs> I was gonna say here and I can't do that. Um one of the one of the honeys that I would get back there would crystallize super fast. So things along the lines of what is it? Mesquite crystallizes uber fast. Um, sunflower, I think, crystallizes very fast. And uh-huh. there's uh, the stuff that I would get in the fall. Actually, the mix between the false willow and the goldenrod crystallizes very fast. I know. Those are all things, and also the 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 goldenrod false willow mix is a smooth, small, micro fine crystalline structure. It's almost like icing on a cake in its natural state, which is amazing. I love that. It's a perfect small
0: that's my favorite jars. That's the are the ones I tend to keep for myself, is the ones that it's kind of reminds me of the European style of honey. It's a it's a like a super fine creamed honey.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly how this kind of comes out on its own accord. Like you, you it'll crystallize solid and then you go through and mix it up and just just stirring it it creates that texture that it's just, it's amazing. I so
0: even, never mind. I, mean, I just let it sit.
1: There you You just scoop uh-huh. it out when you need it. <laughs> exactly. So I stir it up on purpose whenever I'm going through, like often when I, cause I've got it in big containers. So when I try to put it into the jar, I've got to actually go through and work it to make it malleable. Right. And in doing that, once you get it into the jar, it kind of keeps that malleable consistency where you can scoop it out really easy without having to dig into a solid structure. Right. So but my, my parallel there, though, is that could also be a good way to naturally indicate to yourself which honeys have more fructose and which may be better at providing that sustained energy boost and that long drawn out, because it's still going to have trace amounts of glucose in there, but it obviously has more fructose or it would not have crystallized as quickly as it did.
0: That's a good point. Now that makes it uh, so that the one, the ones, the honeys that are crystallizing the most in theory, would be best for exercise recuperation and and just kind of a replenishment of your muscles and and slow burn of calories.
1: Yeah. See, there we go. Yeah. Something that from the past that I can tie in there and and make that make yeah. sense. Um, so my question though comes up to this next paragraph right after all of that, where it talks about child nutrition, and uh, it goes through this one and it talks about a few things in there that. Apparently, there were some studies in New Zealand, um, and it, it kind of looks like most of the studies were on animals, but they were trying to take that and relate that back over to newborn babies. And it says that uh, there's some anecdotal evidence that consuming honey to our feeding honey to a newborn.
0: That was allowing them to grow better, right? Yeah, it it provided
1: infants with improved memory and growth, reduced anxiety, and enhanced the children's performance later in life. Now, that was anecdotal, anecdotal evidence there, but then they go through and they do their studies, but their studies are based on rats and baby mice and things along those lines. And as we all know, here in the United States specifically, the Food and Drug Administration makes you put labels on things yeah. that state not to feed honey to infants under one year of age. And that's usually because of the botulin toxins. Um, yeah, they don't want them to get botulism.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a very, very small risk. And so to cover, you know, that risk and, and make sure that nobody gets uh, their infant sick for that very, very toxic, nasty toxin um, that, that uh, caveat is put on, on the honey bottles. But in other countries, in Africa and other places, that's not necessarily um, uh, a caveat that's published. And in, in some, some some people will use that to allow their children to grow. Best. The risk is very small, right? So
1: well, and also botulism, the spores that cause botulism after a year old the body has already developed an immunity to that where it can actually combat it and fight it off. That's why adults, it doesn't bother adults at all, but it does hurt newborn infants because their metabolism and their immune system have not fully developed. And so you don't want to necessarily kind of interject that in there. If you think about it though, and this is one of the things that as they grow and they develop and as they start moving forward, they start moving and they move on their hands and their knees, and they're crawling around, and they're touching everything. Anything that's ever been on your shoes that you walk through the house is now on their hands. And of course, they put their hands in their mouth, you know, so they start inoculating themselves to things. And that may be where they start building up a little bit of that immune response to different things as well. But by the time they hit a year old, they've moved past that phase, you can start feeding them honey. And there there could be a little bit of correlation to some of that. But I did think that it was interesting, but I, I did question the fact, though, that they based it on anecdotal evidence and then their experiments were not on actual children. They were on lab rats. And wow. uh, a lot of the experimentation that was done in here were done on animals. Um, and again, we're talking about simply feeding animals honey, not they weren't doing anything uber invasive. So don't call PETA. Um <laughs> <laughs> We didn't do this research project. We're just reading it.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, we're, we are, don't endorse anything.
1: <laughs> that's right. We are not medical professionals. No. We are simply stating our opinions, not medical fact.
0: Well, and um, we're discussing this article as well, that's uh, there's another paragraph that's talking about digestion, and we talked about it a little bit. But I, I, I guess part of it is that um, it's it's just kind of uh, pre digested, and and you touched upon it as well. Uh, the prebiotics and the difference between the prebiotics and the probiotics. Everybody's talking about probiot- probiotics, lacto, you know, bifida, bifidobacteria, and lactobacilli, and, and all that good stuff. And there's even supplements that you can get. You find that in yogurt, you can find that in kefir, and all kinds of things like that. The prebiotic is basically food for the probiotics. So you're kind of um, seeding your, your gut with things that are going to be favoring those probiotics and and that's what honey does as well so it's kind of a it works in conjunction in conjunction with all those um supplements that you could be taking or any yogurt and all. it reinforces the positive impact on your gut uh flora um and and honey is a great way to to help you have a good digestive system according to the article but <laughs> that I believe in that as well my, for myself anyway
1: yeah well and it it does you know, you've got to be able to both introduce the beneficial bacteria, but you also have to provide the beneficial bacteria, a good food source. And having that ability in there helps negate some of the other aspects of the fact that yes, when you're eating honey, you are still eating sugar. So even though it can be considered a complete food, that would not want to be the only thing that you actually consume, because if you did, then the body's going to start storing that sugar in other areas that you don't want it to do. (laughs) So, um, But yes, it it has these good benefits that go through and actually help with the digestion system. And part of that is because it is both providing the the bacteria and the food for the bacteria so that you get the pre and the probiotic aspect of that
0: what blew my mind is how much of an impact, positive impact it seems to have on calcium in your bones and and you know preventing things or or mitigating things like osteoporosis and and bone loss but also anemia uh it's got it's got a lot of uh, um it helps the blood being basically uh, protected and um richer and I guess you know when you're talking about anemia, you're talking about loss of iron um, and it also helps and stimulates and increase the production of antibody during um, immune responses. So when you have like you know viral infections or things like that that helps you with that as well as in conjunction with the positive effect on the blood um, itself.
1: Yeah, and there's there, this does actually touch on it. And I can't find where specifically at the moment. So I can't quote it. I think it was around the area of the I have somewhere I have misplaced a page. Um, I think it was around the area where we were talking about like the exercise benefits and stuff it goes through and it does talk a little bit about certain aspects of things like anemia, like you were talking about, but also people that have blood sugar levels and glucose problems, and how honey and the fructose don't necessarily impact that and cause a negative response, and can actually be used for individuals who are potentially like hypoglycemic, and mm-hmm. in some some yeah. areas diabetic because of the way that it re- it affects and reacts with the body. Right. Um, and I don't know where I stuck that page now because I think I stuck that it under is, my well, conclusion. <laughs>
0: but that as well. But it's in yeah. there
1: somewhere. Um,
0: it has a leveling effect, a balancing effect.
1: Yeah, um, it helps. And- it helps keep the glucose levels sustained and, mm-hmm. uh, keeps it in stasis, which is a good thing. Um, it goes on and it also talks about the medicinal and medical properties of honey. And mm-hmm. it talks about immunity. Like you just mentioned, it talks about oral health and how
0: that's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. going through and eating honey can actually go through and help with all kinds of different things inside the mouth, both from, from things along like canker sores, whenever you actually have an ulcer or an open wound it can go through and it can help with that, but it can also help with the bacteria that form around the teeth and Mm. could cause harm. Ah. It's kind of, yeah, it's another one of those things where you're like, well, but it's a sugary substance, but at the same time, the natural properties of it, especially if you take a spoonful of honey that is not, nothing has been done to it and you put it in your mouth, before your mouth can actually balance out the liquid ratios of that, the honey is still doing what honey does. It's hydroscopic. It pulls the moisture from things. It's going to eviscerate bacteria Kill germs, kill you viruses.
0: Oxygen as the hydrogen Peroxide processes, you know. Yep.
1: Yeah. And when it mixes with the moisture, exactly, it kicks into that and you start having some of those benefits as well. So all of that is like it's kind of mind-boggling. <laughs> you know?
0: Amazing. It's like amazing. Um, I, I it's one of those foods that has the most benefits to humans and and um animals in general, I'm guessing, but mostly in our case. It's it's got the most benefit, the most nutraceutical benefits as it's the superfood of superfoods as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. And uh, they do in the in their introduction, they do talk about how it's mentioned in biblical literature across multiple different cultures. And the the Quran actually has passages in there. Um, The Bible has things in there like there's all these different mentions about honey and why it is good and why it should be used. Um one of the other things in here and they they talk about honey and the use of things like ophthalmology eyes yeah. when you go through and I did not read the word that they put on there I put the one that made sense in my head um <laughs> <laughs> or I said it right but it's not Othomology, spelled the way that I think yes, it was yeah yes. so they talk about how it can be used for several different things such as conjunctivitis or pink eye and when you get pink eye it sucks Cause everything swells up. It feels like you got sandpaper underneath there. It hurts to blink. You get all this nasty gunky crud on there and you can go through and you can actually use honey to treat that, but it does mention it in here. And I will say firsthand it stings like a. Bee. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it does. You know how I know? Cause I do use that as a remedy. I, yep. I have, you know, I guess I have had pink eye before over the years. I know when I was young, I got it really bad in Africa, and I got the antibiotic drops and all the stuff. But ever since I've known about the honey and its properties for that kind of stuff, I've been using that. And I, what I do is I mix it with milk. And if you make, mix it with cold milk, that kind of uh, mitigates the sting to the eye. So half, half honey, and, raw honey. And, but if you use it and it's uh, slightly crystallized, then you're asking for trouble.
1: That's true. You do need <laughs> it to be liquid honey in, in that I, phase because you want it to be more like an ointment. You already feel like breaking. you got sand. You don't <laughs> want to add granulars of things in there. That, that would be bad.
0: But I, as far as I'm concerned, it's always worked really well. And in less than a day, it's, it's gone. Yeah. So, so I'm a. It,
1: it's guy. uh, it's one of those things that the pain is worth it, and it does not, it doesn't cause any negative effects to your eye other than the fact it stings <laughs> when you first. Right do there it. and there. And yeah, your I mean, eye is gonna water a lot, you know, because now you've got this this yeah. goop in there, but it helps clean everything else out too. So
0: it really works. The other way, and I'm switching gears, is I use it for strep throat and any kind of uh, throat irritation. I will mix it half half with um, raw apple cider vinegar. And I've had strep throat, just go away with that. But that's me, right? I'm not, again, a medical doctor. And I just think that it works really well for me. And I'd rather take that rather than antibiotics.
1: Well, if you think about it, uh, a hot toddy was (laughs) that, that is a drink. Yes. But that was, you know, grandma and great grandma and great, great grandma's remedies for one of your children is not feeling well, take some honey, some lemon, and some hard alcohol mix them together and warm them up and then give it to them to drink. And the, the honey and the lemon and the alcohol, all three go through and sterilize the throat, kill off that kind of stuff. Provides good things for your body and then coincidentally puts the child to sleep.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Calms you down uh, uh, and helps you recover during your sleep. No, but I really, you just, if um, when I do that, I want to make sure that it's not too hot. And that's their other thing I would mention is you, you don't want to kill the beneficial properties of the honey when you're doing that kind of things, right? You
1: also don't want to burn uh, your mouth
0: above 110, and you're just kind of like killing off all the enzymes and beneficial. Uh, properties.
1: Now, one of the things that they do touch on in here, when you, uh, when you were back at the, like the gastro area, mm-hmm. they do touch on oh, the fact gosh. that you can actually, it can be used both for a, what do they call it? Not a diuretic. That's the other, the other one. <laughs> uh, um, it can be used. And this is something active. that Dr. Osterk talks active. about How it can be used for constipation. That's there's where I'm trying to go. It's a laxative. It's a laxative. And the way that he talked about it was that if honey is warmed up, then it has a laxative effect on the body. Naturally, it kind of has a laxative effect on the body. But if the honey is chilled and cool, it actually can do the other. If you're having problems where you need to firm things up, it can go through and do that as well. So it kind of has this multi-effect depending on the temperature and consistency of it whenever you go through and take it. So um in theory, though, if you just eat honey all the time and it's always in your hot tea, eventually you just become regular. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said that I,
1: because I, I I am one of those people that's like, I would like a little bit of hot tea with my honey.
0: Well, I, too <laughs> much. when I put honey in anything, it's too much, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, the other aspect of it, uh, there's a book out there called The Honey Revolution, and it talks about all the beneficial aspects of honey on your brains That's not in this article, but uh, basically it was saying if you take a couple of teaspoons or tablespoons of honey before you go to bed, it will help feed your brain, which otherwise gets bypassed. But by, I mean, it, it bypasses things like the liver and, and, and that are very um, taxing on the glucose and, and that you're getting in your body. And so when you sleep, your brain tends to, if you don't do that, your brain tends to be starved. Of nutrients and and that's kind of uh, leads to issues later down the road with. um, Neurological issues, um, lack of sleep, you know, insomnia and things like that, and when you do the honey they were saying um, it really helps you sleep better. And protects your brain from uh, neurological issues later in life, especially when it comes to depression and Alzheimer's and things like that. I I do that, and I will tell you that I sleep much better when I have my two tablespoons of honey. So I don't know if it's do you think that but... do you think that
1: goes back to the difference between the fructose versus glucose, where you've is. got that yeah, sustained
0: mm-hmm.
1: drawn out? It's not being burned off immediately and metabolized. Yes.
0: I do not remember what the exact processes are with the liver and how it consumes and um, fructose, glucose, all that stuff. But it does have to do with with that. And I think that um, honey tends to uh, cross the honey, bl- the blood, honey, um, blood bread bar- barrier. Um, and so it's more directly absorbed by the brain kind of a everything.
1: I did manage to find the part where it started talking about diabetic patients and things. It's under the metabolic and cardiovascular effects. Right. And is, yeah. it uh, it does say there that honey has been shown it has been shown that honey intake What is that word? Which I am one? not familiar with that word. Um anyhow, i'm a, I'm taking it that it it has a mitigating effect on risk factors, yes. but that's I don't know what word they're using in place of that. So, Um, It has been shown that honey intake can have a mitigating effect on risk factors of metabolic and cardiovascular diseases in patients and that healthy individuals, um, patients and healthy individuals, unlike refined sugars, diabetic patients can safely and harmlessly eat natural sweet sugar, quote, fructose containing Honey, they say product, but honey (laughs) as a natural product.
0: And they even recommend it for the treatment of diabetes, mellitus, bronchitis, mycosis, and throat aches. What really struck me in that paragraph is also... With the adulteration of honey, you have a lot of um, uh, honey that have been blended with syrups, including that golden syrup, which is really rice syrup. And people that do not know that and who are absorbing a lot of that kind of honey are actually doing the opposite. And that leads to um, obesity, that leads to uh, hypertension, um, hyperglycemia, and all kinds of bad stuff. Whereas if it's honey, Uh, actually raw, natural honey, that's going to have the opposite effect. So that's something to keep in mind. You really want to know where your honey is coming from and you want to make sure that it hasn't been adulterated and and, um, changed and mixed, blended with any kind of syrups.
1: Yeah, and that is, I mean, that's a challenge regardless. Just from a beekeeper standpoint, educating the public on why they need to do local, even if they're not specifically doing yours, If you can teach them how to identify and spot real honey, and one of the major ways of that is if it's in a major box chain store, a lot of times it is mixed and blended. And then often that's where your adulterated honey starts coming into play. Because they're trying to flood the market with something, they make it cheaper for them, mix it in, honey has a strong enough taste and consistency that it will overpower the flavor of something like a corn syrup that doesn't really have a flavor to begin with. And you'll still end up with the same color, texture and flavor, even though the majority of it is now corn syrup. So it is very important to go through and educate consumers and individuals on where to get honey, how to know, you know, if you know your beekeeper, then you have a better idea where your honey is coming from. If you can go out and view the bees or at least the area, you know what type of practices they do. If they are a natural beekeeper, um, then it goes into this other section of the possible adverse effects of natural honey. And all of those things come from contamination. And it can be contamination by antibiotics, pesticides, heavy metals, and other toxic compounds that are, again, absorbed from the air. They come into contact Mm -hmm. with the bees when the bees are foraging, Um, things that people put into their colonies, be it on accident or on purpose, or people actually adulterating the honey itself with other compounds and things to put in there. And out of all of those things, when we read that table about the bad stuff, the two things that were found in there that caused the most issue and were found in the highest levels, the top one was lead.
0: Yeah, I know. That's uh, and it. They were saying it's. It comes mostly from environmental um, uh, contamination, all extraction, the uh, exhaust from cars and pollution. Um, there's all kinds of ways that lead can get in, but there's also when you're extracting the honey and you're using specific types of containers, you might have some contamination. Um, I'm, I don't think it was with necessarily uh, lead, but other heavy metals. Uh, um. So
1: the yeah. aluminum. So when they, they talk about aluminum, and I think zinc, um, yes. and zinc is not necessarily, you know, we, we do need zinc in certain forms, and it does help with your immune system. But uh, a lot of it comes from the containers that are being used. Because if you're using like, again, honey is acidic, and honey has a corrosive effect on metals. So if honey is stored in a metal container, or if you've even noticed like the old lids and jars, they'll start to rust if those rust particulates get down inside the honey, or if the honey slowly eats away at the galvanized tin that you've got this stored inside of, you then get tin and aluminum and zinc and things like that that are then absorbed into the honey. That can cause a lot of problems in and of itself. And that oftentimes happens in countries where they don't necessarily have the money to have the higher-end products or higher-end higher, higher end mechanical things. They reuse containers that they shouldn't use, or if they did ever get a hold of an extraction unit, they hold on to it forever because it may be the only one that they're ever going to have or see. And so it may not be in the best shape and condition and the honey can actually pull some of that stuff. So storing your honey, even if you store it in a metal container, it is going to over time leach out these different heavy metals from that container. So storing it in glass is preferred, storing it in plastic, as long as the plastic is free of all the other chemicals that you don't want to consume. Those are better options for those instances.
0: So that, there was some one uh, of those elements, chromium, uh, that was kind of uh, associated with stainless steel containers. And that kind of raised my my hackles because most of the um, bulk honey is stored in stainless steel containers.
1: You're right. And, Giant, and, massive vats.
0: And sometimes for a long time. So really, that kind of really um, made me think the only way I can really know how much or minimize the amount of heavy metals in my honey is to really produce it myself right well and
1: if you if you look at a commercial operation so that brings up a great point i have had the luxury of touring several major operations and you've got storage vats you've got mixing vats and then you have the initial extraction vat where everything goes down into it and all of those have a mixing capacity so it's mm-hmm. moving and it also has a heating capacity and those heating elements are Metal coils. Mm-hmm. So they're in direct contact with the actual honey, and you're heating up the metal, which is going to then release things, and the honey is going to be able to absorb that. And then over time, just sitting inside those containers, the piping that goes from each container all the way over to the actual bottling machine, it's all metal. So right. you do end up with high contamin- uh, contamination levels in some instances like that, versus if you are yeah. an individual beekeeper and you're doing your own hive, and if, like, for instance, on a top bar, if you're doing crush and strain, it doesn't ever have to see metal, period. Right. It goes straight from the comb, crush it through your hands, or maybe you use, like, a potato masher or something, crush yeah. it all up, mm-hmm. filter it down through the screen, and you're done. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. No, and, and and that's definitely something. I wasn't aware of stainless steel being potentially a, a leaching contaminant um, problem. So that was very enlightening to me. The uh, You mentioned something about antibiotics. There was a big deal about the um, contamination of Chinese honeys for a while. They had an issue with foul brews and they were using chloramphenicol, which is a very toxic antibiotic. And it was coming in... To uh, honey that was sold on, in grocery stores in America, we don't use it. It's not allowed, but yet it was, yeah, it was there in the honey because there was a mixing of imported honey with the 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 honeys that were sold in the grocery store. So that's something to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. And that's something that the layman probably would not necessarily consider or think of antibiotics being inside the honey, not, not natural antibiotic properties because honey does have natural antibiotic properties, but actual antibiotics, like vaccinations and things that you would get for yourself, mm-hmm. drugs that you would take to go through if you had some sort of buy, bi- um, Bacterial infection, anything like that Those type of chemical synthetic antibiotics Are used in beekeeping And in years past It was used to treat even things like Nosema You could go through And you could actually give the bees an antibiotic To go through and help fight that bacterial disease And and get rid of it And it can be used in some other instances too So those are you know Anytime you're feeding anything to the bees Especially if you're mixing it in with the sugar feed And you're feeding it to them it's going to find its way at the very least into the wax. And if it gets That's- into the wax after a certain point, the wax can become super saturated and we'll leach it back out into the honey. Cause again, the honey is hydroscopic and absorbs. So
0: which kind of links to some of the discussions I've had on the natural beekeeping corner. And I wanted to mention in this article, especially the arsenic, you, you hear a lot of people tell you, well, we use oxalic acid for treating because it's found in honey. It's naturally found there. My whole thing is that you can also find arsenic in there. Does it mean that you should increase and pour arsenic into those hives? Uh, you're going to find it in your honey eventually. And if not, at the very least, it's going to have a toxic effect and an accumulation effect on the bees, right? So uh, just, that's also why we're supposed to remove the, the honey supers when we're treating with oxalic acid.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to remove the supers. With the exception of formic acid, any treatment you use, All it even says right there in the instructions, all extra boxes, all supers, even if they're empty, Mm -hmm. they have to come off of that hive because again, it will absorb into the wax and you don't want that happening. Um, But I, I like that analogy because I've used that before when I've been teaching and doing seminars and stuff where I talk about, you know, here's the synthetic things. We never touch those. Here's the organic things. However, I will preface this by saying bleach, chlorine is organic you should not consume it contrary to the shit you hear on the internet these days don't drink bleach (laughs) like you know bleach is designed to eat organic matter that's what it does you know if you put something in it it will dissolve it you you don't do that but it can be found naturally occurring oxalic acid is found naturally occurring formic acid is found naturally occurring formic acid can burn you it can it can mess up your respiratory system mess up your eyes like There's all these negative consequences to stuff. So just because it's organic doesn't mean it's healthy.
0: (laughs) Right. And it's all about the concentration. I mean, uh, I think it's the father of toxic, modern toxicology. I think his name was Dr. Paracelsus. He said it's the dose that makes the poison. So uh, if you want a parallel, you get uh, bitten by an ant. You're going to have a small dose of formic acid. If you take a shower in battery acid, you're not going to be happy. Right, it's not going to do the same. Uh, You you can eat vinegar. You don't want to take a shower with a battery acid. Right,
1: you don't you don't soak in it for long periods of time. Um, The the other one that I've used before is bananas are healthy, but if you eat a thousand bananas a day, you will eventually develop cancer and die from eating bananas. So you know, like everything in moderation, it all has its point. And and when we talked about these things on the the different tables, there ends up being four different tables inside this. But when I was talking about trace elements, I literally mean trace elements like some of these things are point zero zero one to point zero three, you know, that is that is microscopic minute amounts so yes it can be found in there, and it may be naturally occurring, but when you take that point oh oh one, and you make it one oh oh point. That's not <laughs> a good thing. <laughs>
0: The dose that makes the poison, those are oligo elements. They, yeah, they're taken in the very minute, you know, just barely there quantities. They, they're they needed for the body, but if you increase those dosages, you end up poisoning yourself. Yeah. Like that blue man. I forget what he was uh, exposed to, but he turned oh, his turned off um, blue.
1: Shoot, I know the answer to this.
0: I forget what it was, but that was interesting to me.
1: It's something that, that we've all done before. I think it's zinc.
0: It might be zinc.
1: I think it's zinc. Don't quote me on that. But I, I, in fact, I just saw that recently actually, um, where they, they pulled up a picture of him and they showed it, I think it was on Stephen Colbert. They, they showed an image of the guy and he looks like a freaking Smurf. He's got a white beard and white hair and his skin is this eerie blue purplish kind of look.
0: Yeah. He was taking a silver, silver
1: colloidal silver. That's exactly it. Yes. It was colloidal silver. And that's one of those things that it is. Okay. So you will find colloidal silver supplements out there on the market. They are heavily touted by holistic and health food type places. And I know from a fact back from my younger years, colloidal silver makes me sick. Very, very sick. Very, very fast because I did get some because somebody did tell me way back. I was I don't know, I was like, probably 23, 24. And I used to get strep throat, like you were saying all the time, I still have my tonsils. And so I would get all kinds of issues related to that. And one of the things somebody was like, Oh, you should take colloidal silver, it'll boost your immune system, it kills all this stuff. And every time I would take it, I would get worse and feel worse. And I finally decided that I might be part werewolf, because silver in my body was not a good thing. Um, (laughs) So It could also explain some of my fascination with the full moon, but whatever. Um, No, it's, uh, it was, yeah, it's one of those things. And it does come back around and and makes a resurgence, but that's what he did. You know, a little bit of something might be good in small quantities, but in large quantities, in his case, he's still alive, but he's permanently blue. His skin pigment is now different. He's not alive
0: anymore. He's died. Did he die? Yes. He's dead. Well, and, and, okay. So there's also, you said, you know, uh, in small quantities, it might be fine, but in larger quantities, it might be poisonous. The other aspect of that is in small quantities over a long period of time.
1: It can, yeah. If it's something like a lot of the heavy metals, your body, if they're not ones that your body actually metabolizes and does anything to, the only thing it can do to them is store them. And yeah, you had a little micro here, but then another micro and another micro that store builds up until you actually hit a toxic level stored inside your body. So that can also be another point. I did not realize he died. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for every, I didn't, I was yeah. not trying to make light or make fun of a situation no, where somebody okay. had passed away because I did not realize that he had passed away. I just, knew I just he found was out. Blue.
0: yeah, I just found out myself. I was looking it up online, so.
1: Did he die from that or did he die from something
0: they, else? He didn't say it was directly related. He had um, a heart issue after pneumonia or something. So okay. I don't
1: know. Yeah. So maybe not directly correlated with that and, and apologies to his family and everybody else. Cause that does definitely suck. Um, yes. Yeah. In fact, I've got a episode that will be coming out later today that talks about how stuff like that sucks. Right. <laughs> I had yeah. to do two episodes because the first one was such a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut everything else out of it. I was like, I, there, you can't transition and segue from this over to that. So this just has to be its own thing. And then that'll be its own thing. It was supposed to be just one episode that was going to come out and be a standalone. Um, it's not part of the previous seasons. It's not part of the upcoming next season. It's just a little in the middle thing that'll be released out there on the main platform for kind of catching you up and looking at 2021 and looking at 2022 and um where where i'm at because the people that listen on patreon yeah you guys have got to hear little stories and little snippets here and there but uh the rest of the world who just listens to the main podcast itself some of them don't even have any idea that i'm not still in the state of texas (laughs) so i was going to give a little bit of an update but um for whatever reason, when I started writing that one, I, I felt the urge that I really needed to talk about some of these other things. I don't know, it might've been therapy. Um, and so <laughs> I had an entire page, man, it's a, it's a somber one for sure. I got done and I was like, well, that's going to bum everybody out. <laughs> I got to do something A little else.
0: bit more cheery. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can, there you go. Look forward to that later. Oh, actually, no, this comes out on Wednesday. So You will have already heard that, so I guess I should say sorry (laughs) Uh. (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. There's a message in there, damn it. Uh, Let's see. I think that was really that was where all the different things that I had highlighted. It kind of ended with the uh, the adverse effects and how a lot of that stuff is man-made or you know chemical pollutants or toxins and toxicity levels that are again it all comes back to us and being our own worst enemy with some of that.
0: There's one thing I wanted to mention that was a little bit talked about uh at the end of the article was how um uh, honey production can be used, but apiculture in general, beekeeping in general can be used as a source of income and um actually deforestation, right? Yes. And that kind of links to kind of the work I've been doing with Africa and and, and refugees. But uh, basically the the it's the, um, the honey, uh, the beekeeping is an untapped resource in those countries, in Africa, South, South America a little bit less, but in Africa there's a lot of potential that's been untapped and that can um, help uh, prevent, the, in, they tend to burn forests to grow cultures and provide uh, fuel and he, uh, supplies for cooking. And if you use honey, you have less need to, you have more of an incentive to protect the forests and the biodiversity of the area. Uh, and that also helps with the production of fruits and, and food. But also you can use the honeybees themselves and the larvae as a source of protein. And it can be done with very few uh, it's not a difficult, it's not an expensive endeavor. It can be done with almost next to nothing in materials. And um, in Africa, because it's so successful, you can potentially do it with um, less um, education as well, um, because the bees are, have been left to their own devices and they haven't been treated and weakened by the treatment. So they are more naturally resilient to uh, diseases and mites They have them. However, because um, Les Crater always mentions um, uh, in Jamaica, they never had the money to spend on the treatments. And so they kind of let their bees do what the bees do and they don't have those same problems with the mites, infestations and, and collapsing of the colonies. Uh, the, the bees have been able to develop their own mechanisms of defense against the issue. So it's the same in Africa and um, But There's a huge potential for um, for um, food production, um, um, income making, uh, food security, but also they were talking about the stingless bees and saying that how these were actually the best honey producers. So that's something that's been always kind of interesting to me. And I want to see if we can. Well, either. OK,
1: so on that note, and I may not be as educated on this, but I did make a note of that. And I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the first things they talk about it in the abstract at the beginning. And then it is in the conclusion of this. Right. Um, and I will read the conclusion to everybody as well here in just a moment. Uh, before I go into the stingless bees, though, when you were talking about the deforestation and stuff, it, it talks about here. Um, it, it even says in Africa, African countries and other parts of the globe with forest reserves, Previous studies have shown that bees are integral, comma it should have a comma in there, and inseparable part of the ecosystem. According to Costa Costa Neto in 1998 and 1999, there are no forests without bees, and there are no bees isolated from the forests. So, it, it all kind of goes hand in hand. And that is also that's their natural habitat. That's where they live yeah. in the hollows of trees. Um, the the trees themselves, and we didn't really touch on this, but when and it, it talks about it in the conclusion the bees don't just get their food source from flowers. They also get pollen from trees and they can get it from aphids that actually feed on certain trees. And then that's honeydew and honeydew also has a lot of the same medicinal properties as some of these other things in here. So on their conclusion, and then I'm going to come back to that stingless bee part. The conclusion States, the intake of honey as food and medicine resulted in high nutritional benefit and therapeutic promise The biological or or the botanical origin plays prominent roles in both the bioavailability of natural honey, photochemical compounds, which (laughs) consequently has effects on the biological activity of honey. However, introspective of the floral source, such as the variety and number, mono, polyfloral, or blended, the honey type, such as blossom, honeydew, manuka, or non-manuka, and the concentration, such as diluted or undiluted, and the type of bee stingless or stinging all contain antioxidants and exhibit various degrees of biochemical activities attributed to natural honey potency and value as a new (laughs) i should just give up (laughs) nutraceutical yeah that's the the whole title of the article nutraceutical (laughs) agent the sources and adverse effects of natural honey contamination identified should be prevented this could be this could promote the ability availability of residue-free honey and wholesome natural products for domestic consumption and international market. This would also help to prevent health problems associated with natural honey toxicity, especially the most commonly encountered one, which periodic table is PB, which is lead. That's right. Um, So lead poisoning. Apicultural practices should be encouraged and beekeeping increased, especially in countries with an avalanche of forests. This will increase national honey production worldwide and boost the availability of honey, which is a, a judged and important substitute of refined sugars and conventional medi- medicine, medi-
0: medications, medications. That's not what it says. <laughs>
1: Medicaments is what it says. It's a
0: French word. It means medication. Oh,
1: so they're French. This is the, that's the problem. That's why you can read this and I can't. They're not French. Uh, I don't think they are French,
0: but they probably do speak some French. (laughs) Um,
1: Furthermore, this will facilitate natural honey's use as a cheap source of an energy nutrient and as an alternative and economical medicant again, Medic- for most ailments. <laughs> medicament. <laughs> <laughs> it's a medicine, damn it. Um, the stingless bees hither here hither, <laughs>
0: hitherto. hitherto. <laughs> I
1: should be reading it. Let it you the Latin You should be reading way. this. Restricted <laughs> to Brazil could be introduced to other parts of the world, and the etho. Entomologists, no. other scientists, and apiculturists have roles to play in this development. This will improve agri- uh, apricultural practices, especially among people who are
0: skeptical. It should
1: be a K I know, it's not I was like, that's not spelled right
0: Skeptical of
1: harm from sting of bees That is a good thing If you are allergic to the sting of bees A stingless bee would actually be a good thing to have Um, The cost of honey production will reduce And the domestic consumption As well as income from export will increase Okay, now Man, that was painful Jesus, I'm sorry, everybody Okay, (laughs) so the, The stingless bees From what I have gathered in my very limited experience, they do not produce nearly as much honey as the Eastern or European honeybees do. So, or the Western honeybee, any of the honeybees. The stingless bee is the the minute on the scale of that. And the honey is more akin to the um, Mexican honey wasps honey than it is to a honeybee's honey. It actually has a fermented medicinal kind of taste to it 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 doesn't come across as a nice oh this is a sweet delicious floral sweetener it comes across as grandma just gave me a spoonful of robitussin to take for my cold <laughs> and so i i questioned that part of it that was almost like they heard of and just made some assumptions and lumped it in there because well, they're not that. as productive
0: no uh so i think that the yield per Colony of per bee is much higher because um, they they might be more efficient. However, the sheer size of a regular honeybee colony and the amount that they end up storing for overwintering is much higher per colony. Uh, what I think is also something we need to be concerned about is introducing foreign species into an uh, ecosystem that's not adapted to them.
1: That's true. Uh, Now the the stingless bee has been found in the southern reaches of California. Yeah.
0: Well, they come from Southern America, South America.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they there is a there is one instance of naturally occurring found in a wild environment um, where that is the case. But I don't think that they they again they come from South America. They come from a very warm tropical climate. I don't (laughs) think they can survive winter.
0: No, in most areas probably not. Although this being said, uh, the Mexican honey wasps, which are probably about the same size, um, they do really well in their paper nests, and they overwinter true. without any problem in Texas.
1: In Texas, but and and there's a kind of a dividing line where once you hit Austin and start going north of Austin. You don't hardly ever see them, but south of Austin, you run into them all the time and we would get calls where, hey, we've got bees in a tree and we need you to come remove them and and it would be a giant honey wasp nest. And they're very beneficial. They're an amazing predator of other nuisance pests that actually eat and destroy crops and cause diseases for crops. So farmers love to have them. And mm-hmm. if you can take it down and put it out there, go for it. But they're tiny little suckers. They can fit through your bee suit, and their yes. sting hurts way worse than a honeybee.
0: This being said, they're a lot more docile. You really have to go and antagonize them for for them to want to attack you. Because cutting their nest out of a them. tree
1: usually does yes. the trick. <laughs>
0: but I, I, i've I've moved them and I've got a gigantic nest in my in my teaching apiary and it's just I can get to them. I can just even poke on the uh, nest a little bit if I want to, they never do anything. They're yeah. very, very docile and they just just calm and compose and they do their thing.
1: yeah, just leave them alone. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I know better than not. I know they can get through the bee suits.
1: Yeah, don't be a dumb kid and throw rocks at it or poke it with a stick because no. that's when bad things happen. Um, and again, apologies for for my my lack of reading apparently today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still like there. Yeah, you'll see when you actually read the article, there are words in there that did not make sense to my brain. They were words that are misspelled. There are words that I don't think are English.
0: (laughs) Uh, But they're researchers. And I just think that English is not their first language. And also they're probably using a lot more British uh, vernacular.
1: Possibly so. That would make a little bit more sense. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Well, we will we will call it good there and uh, let let you go for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I already know what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about bottled bees. And uh, oh, that
0: clickbait video. Oh, please do not let me start.
1: We're going to talk about that, and uh, I will I will shoot you over the link just in case you haven't seen it. I've seen
0: it in English. I've seen it in French. I've seen it (laughs) like. What? My mind was exploding. So
1: anyway. So there you go. There's your teaser for next week, everybody. I hope you enjoy. And uh, this article will be posted out there for everybody to go through and read at your own leisure and uh, see what you think about it. And if you think that it is all relevant or, um, you know, if you agree with it or don't agree with some of it, take the aspects that do fit with your practices and use them.
0: And let
1: us know. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in to another Beekeeper Chat. We will see you next
0: week. Be good. Be mindful. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.